Hello folks, I'm Mark Rowley and once again I'm joined by Benjamin Geary and this is the breakdown where I look back at a really, really successful series in the automation series for Ireland as they made it three wins from three against Argentina this past weekend and we will also look ahead to the return of domestic rugby with Munster and Larkham's departure. So Ben, quickly, Argentina game. What's your first thoughts? Really impressed? Argentina poor? What, what, what do you think? Uh, yeah, it's probably the second one. Um, like Ireland were hitting the ground yeah, running the after. By the way, ever the optimist. Yeah, ever the optimist. Exactly. But like, I think, I don't know, I think a lot of people will be on my side with that one. Like, yeah, no, yeah. I would you know, <laughs> it was a bit like parts of it were, were a bit remarkable, to be honest. Um, like, of course, Ireland were hitting the ground running after a win against the All Blacks. They were over the moon. I was a little surprised to see the team that, well, I wasn't, I wasn't, but the team that Andy Farrell selected was was very strong. Do you know, we could have beaten him with a, a much yeah, I was surprised kind of thing. Yeah. A little bit, yeah. Um, but yeah, there was a lot of positives from it. Um, Argentina were probably made it very easy to beat them. They, they, they played in a way that was easy beat, like if that makes any yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, like I mean, even when you look at Carreras's fumble, like mere meters played, played off, their hands. played in literally their hands. played yeah. in their hands. Like the amount of silly penalties they gave away that were completely avoidable. Um, like there was a lot of fundamentals that were already out the window before the game kicked off. Not to, not to interrupt you, but that's kind of what surprised me the most is how well disciplined they were. They were, yeah, they were absolutely shocking, and they lost their heads completely in the last. I know they were getting, you know, they they, they did receive they're on the, the bad end of a hiding, but like, yeah, yeah completely just they threw in the towel and it was actually kind of toys out the pram situation from argentina in the last like 20 25 minutes it was a bit ridiculous yeah. but yeah go on sorry no yeah listen the same again like i'm i'm only agreeing with you it's it was kind of it was a little bit upsetting i'm kind of similar to, i'm in similar kind of frame of mind as i was after the japan game because i was really looking mm -hmm. forward to seeing good japanese rugby and i was looking forward to seeing Argentinian rugby because I knew how good or I know how good they can be, um, which they showed like the, in the first three minutes. And then yeah, exactly. Yeah, they were the first off. team to score. Yeah, but, you know, kind of caught Ireland napping a little bit. Yeah. Ireland were still kind of, even yeah. though the game had kicked off, they were kind of waiting for it to start almost. And sure, when the ball kicked off, Ireland players looking at highlights of the New Zealand game. Like exactly, yeah. That's, <laughs> but, what, that's what that was. Yeah, it's like you know, it's it it doesn't tell you a lot from kind of a broader in, in within the context of the World Cup and stuff because mm. um like they must have been exhausted. I think whatever about last week when we beat the, the All Blacks, but I think or sorry, two weeks ago at this stage, but thinking about last weekend, like they must have been exhausted. Like live living yeah. out of suitcases for the past however many months, two months plus maybe. Um it must it must be really, really difficult. Uh particularly yeah. Argentina, like they probably have and I'm I'm speculating here now, but they probably have the biggest toll to pay when regards to traveling. Uh, when you take into account the likes of, particularly just the stress of traveling in the first place, but also uh, even things like uh, jet lag and time differences and stuff like that. And trying to maintain a training regimen to to peak physically um, come game day must be incredibly difficult from their point of view. But um, yeah, but then again. They they also didn't control the controllables. So listen, it was what it was. That's the thing. Um, and I think that's the thing about the series. I mean, obviously New Zealand 
yeah, we we literally yeah. went on forty minutes about it the last day. It was unbelievable performance, but. I kind of wish that we face tougher or stiffer competition outside of New Zealand. So say instead of Japan that we we took on maybe South Africa or something. I'd love to see that, yeah. but it is what it is. Yeah. And we did we played what was in front of us and we played well. So exactly, yeah, exactly. Three for three can't complain. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'd actually uh, that a uh, little pop up question. Who for you? Actually, Joe, you know we'll go with one. We'll just go with one player because we'll zone in on this. So okay, one player throughout the whole series for you for Ireland who just stood out the one player who stood out was probably probably Caelan Doris to be honest I was trying to think of another name in case of someone someone that peeped him but no I think particularly in what is a very competitive back row like yeah Josh van der Fleer is playing out of his skin Peter O'Mahony for some reason seems to come alive when he was playing for Ireland um, oh, he's made me eat every single one of my words because on the first yeah. episode of this, I said the curtain is kind of closing on Peter Mahoney. Well, I'll tell you what, he's gotten two hands and he's torn those curtains down because he's been absolutely yeah. unbelievable. I wonder if he heard you say that. I wonder if he watched it. Of course he did. <laughs> Probably I'm, did, I'm, yeah. I'm the reason for the three out of three. We, yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, but I'd agree with Caelan Doris. Like, a lot yeah. of people put their hands up. Um, actually, I... I, I several amount of players put their hands up uh tight furlong to name a few but of course Caelan, yeah I, I think Caelan Doris just came into his own and just really really announced himself on the international stage and Absolutely. I think he's here for a long run yeah yeah because even when you think of the likes of like obviously Gavin Coombs is someone I really wanted to see play um against a, a top level opposition do you know like obviously the summer tests were they were under slightly different circumstances and context but I think putting yeah. him in in the situation of an, of an Autumn Nations game, test match would be really telling. And I thought he would thrive. Um, like, even if Will Connors was fit, I thought he probably would have been in the mix as well. Um, even the likes of, like, Dan Levy, who probably hasn't played for Ireland in a long time, but he's still an exceptional talent in that position. But I think Kellen Doris now has a firm grip on that. Yeah. In, in one of the jerseys, anyway. I think he's played, has he played six, seven, and eight? I think he probably is filled in there oh, close yeah. enough to anyway, but um, one of those jerseys is going to him come come the Six Nations. Oh, I think it's yeah, goes without saying. Um, um, yeah, so yeah, Caitlin Doris, I would actually agree. So, hundred percent agree with that. To be honest, um, so man of the match for you, I know who it's going to be before. Before yeah. I don't actually, it is more of a rhetorical question, really. Um, Carberry got it. Who was your man of the match? Carberry, yeah, and Carberry would have gotten it for me as well. Uh, <laughs> shocker! Uh, like, shocker. of course, I mean, in a game like that, you can pick anyone. You know, you can pick. Yeah. You can pick the guy who who gave away all the penalties as well, just as easily as you could pick Carberry. But, um, but yeah, there was a there was a a lot of positives from what is a very high pressure position because, like, the other fourteen positions on the rugby pitch. It's almost like if you can play on the day, great. You know, Andy Farrell will pick you and you'll play great or you'll play badly. And then whatever happens after that happens. But for some reason in Ireland anyway, we have this idea that the, the number 10 is almost like a vocation. Uh, you know, they're yeah. joining the priesthood until they just physically can't yeah. play anymore. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, or unless someone comes and overthrows you, uh, which, you know, there's examples of as well. But mm. um, what I found particularly interesting was when... Harry Byrne came on in the probably in around the 60th minute. It might have been the, the 51st or the 58th minute or something like that. But yeah. uh Carberry moved to fullback. 
which yeah. very interesting because I rode actually one of the first. You've been one calling of my first. Uh, been I, I kind of called it, yeah, about a year ago. Yeah. Not to be tooting my own horn now, but one of the first opinion pieces I ever wrote was about since there's so much depth at the out half position at Munster that Carberry should look to playing fullback more because he has a man of the match awards. He, you know, he's won Heineken Cups filling in at fullback and things like that with Leinster. So he's already an established fullback at a very high level. And yeah. I was just kind of questioning where this kind of vocation to play 10 came from. But I think it was really refreshing to see him kind of branch out and go back and, you know, take care of the backfield. And he took it like a duck to water. You know, it was just like, yeah, there was no, it was, yeah, it was a seamless transition. Yeah. Really. There exactly. Was no... it was completely seamless. Yeah. yeah. Even he, he caught a few high balls. Like he, he covered the backfield very well. And yeah. like Argentina did attempt to kind of stab a few grubbers and, you know, put up a few high balls, but Cabri was there. He could just read it. Um, it was almost like he had more time. Um, yeah. But I but really like that, that bit of diversity. The flaw for me for, for the Argentinians was the kicking game was, yeah. I, I just didn't, I just didn't see the, the, the thought process behind it. Like it was, yeah. it was just a, game, a really poor game of tennis for about five minutes in the second half, just paying yeah. and putting the ball back. And Argentina, yeah, at, least, at least Ireland were trying to put the ball in behind and get something. I, I'm pretty mm. sure Ireland, I, I'm pretty sure Argentina were literally like hot potato. They're like, get this out of my hands. Yeah. That's what it looked like. It was just, I don't know. It was, it was mad. I don't know. I just yeah. didn't, I didn't understand the, the thinking behind it. But they've been on a, they've been on a poor run. They have been yeah. on a poor run. They've only won so, win. They beat Italy, um, yeah. but I think they've lost their last. One in eight. Hmm? Sorry, I think that was their first one in eight. Italy. I think it was, yeah, more or less. They won it. They beat Italy, yeah. and probably their first win in, yeah, yeah, seven or eight games or something like that. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I mean, I'm not really sure what the issue could have been. It must have been a mix of fatigue and, oh, I don't know. You could probably go on. You could probably name a few different things, but, uh, considering you know, like how good they are, like mm-hmm. when you think like Japan did knock us out of the last World Cup, but. They denied us finishing top of the pool. Uh, New Zealand did knock us out of the World Cup. And then four years prior to the 2019 World Cup, it was Argentina that knocked us out of that World Cup. So yep. uh, there were all the teams that we kind of had a, a, a grudge against from recent years, and we've gotten wins over them. So Banish uh, the demons. Exactly, yeah. So there's positives there, mentally, really. The I, like, I have to be slightly positive. One of us has to do it. So yeah. I'll, I'll take, I'll take, <laughs> it's not going to be me. But, uh, like... Yeah, so as I was saying there, you 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 kind of wish there was stiffer competition, but however, it, it goes back to the old cliche: you can only play who's in front of you and put up fifty plus points against Argentina. Can't complain. Uh, yeah, Japan and the style we did can't complain, and New Zealand. Like the, the only thing I'm, that I'm I'm starting to get a bit irritated by is a lot of people are saying Argentina were poor, New Zealand were poor, and all this, and I I completely. I guess that thinking, but at the same yeah. time, our pressure, our ball handling, our play through the phases is putting, is undermining their skill level. We're, we're putting course, pressure yeah. on them and we're making them look worse than they are. And I think that's just a credit once again to Andy Farrell and the coaching staff. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also noticed that like the defense is very similar to how it was under Joe Schmidt which mm. isn't a surprise considering the defence coach at the time was Andy Farrell. Um, it's a very, and I could be I could be kind of 
inaccurate, a little bit inaccurate in saying this in case I offend any any avid rugby league fans, but it is a very rugby league style uh, defence because Andy Farrell was a, a decorated rugby league player in his time. But, you know, it's because Hugo Keenan is able to cover so much of the backfield, you often yeah. see only him dropping back and then the two wingers coming up flat to create almost like this yes, iron yes, curtain yeah. in yeah. order to, in lack of a better word. And then if you add that, add a, a factor of incredible line speed and incredible work rate to that that shape, that defensive shape, it's incredibly difficult to penetrate. Um, like New Zealand did it a couple of times by going wide, like Richie Moanga was able to send a couple of just kind of chip balls, chip kicks into the wing and Will Jordan. Will Jordan Will scored Jordan. off one. Um, yeah. They were very near scoring off it a couple of times. They did target that part of the pitch a lot. Um but it was just, it's just, there's weaknesses to every defensive shape, you know? Um, yeah. But, and it's but yeah, part of, it's, it's sorry, part, and part, of, part of the risk you take of us playing this expansive style of rugby is, yeah. you know, go on, when you're on the back yeah. foot, yeah, there's going to be, there may be more gaps, but ultimately the risk is worth the reward. So, well, course, so far, yeah. so of far. Course. And Definitely. I think that's what's impressed me most about Farrell is you just like touched on it there that he was defensive coach under smith's regime but it's the art like the offensive style that we're playing ball handling offloading i know we say every week but it seems to be getting more cohesive and yeah. better every week so definitely yeah definitely yeah I that's, just think, yeah. that's uh that's something that stuck out to me with joey carberry as well because like it, an outhouse job isn't just to kind of catch and pass it's also to keep oh, the no. offense in in shape and keep yeah. Uh, keep the system in place that's supposed to be in place there. And I think he did that very well. Um, I also yeah, think I, that... I, sorry, I, I, won't make, I don't think you can... I can't disagree with you. And I've I've, I've yeah. said my piece about Carberry. Like, I do I do rate him. I just think Sexton is miles ahead at this moment in time. Of course, but yeah. he was he was exceptional. So I can't, I, yeah. I can't argue with you. Yeah. And I think uh, there was positives. Like, I always kind of wondered why Harry Byrne was touted as such a if that's the right word uh, as a yeah. as such a, a great out half or like a successor to sexton because yeah. i just didn't really see it but i'm a little more convinced because even though he threw some shocking passes and he kicked some shocking kicks but uh he did know the set piece inside out and he did understand the attacking system that farrell was trying to implement yeah. um that's, I think, of course, he made a lot of mistakes, but that's what you want yeah. at this stage. You know, you want him to make mistakes and get used to it and figure it exactly. out. Exactly. I don't think it's funny. I think you need a bit of both. So, obviously, Carberry was the general on 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 Sunday, but he has that that side to him. Like he's like not not to the level of Finn Russell, but he is mercurial. He can create stuff. He yeah. has the talent to kind of just pop off and create things out of out of the blue. But then again, you do need that structured side as well, which Harry Burns seems to be the ultimate. Yeah, seems to get monkey, it. You see a monkey do in a in a good way, do you know? As yeah. in, like he yeah. he knows what he's there to do, and he'll 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 do the job for you. But I don't think when you're comparing him to Carberry, I think it's it's chalk and cheese. Carberry will he'll be more innovative and creative. So yeah, it's definitely. I think it's important to have the two, and I think it's a good balance to have coming off the bench if you are closing off a game. Definitely, yeah, absolutely, and that's not to say that Jack Carty couldn't do the same job or. Or Ben yeah, Healy couldn't do the same job, but yeah, you know, I mean, you need to give the guys a chance. I would love to see Ben Healy get a cap, either over the Six Nations, maybe. Um, that could prove very hard though if Carberry continues the form. Of course, yeah, yeah, and I'm yeah. not saying that that hashtag fullback. 
That's what Ben is saying. Hashtag fullback. Yeah, I'm still I'm still a big believer in it. Uh, I st- I still don't think it's off the table. Um, but yeah, like yeah. even you saw the likes of Craig Casey get a good run out against Italy this time last year. Um, I know awarding someone their first cap, particularly a monster player, uh, but awarding a player their first cap in the Six Nations tournaments is kind of seldom done. Um, but I don't think it's it's a million miles away either. Surpri- Farrell yeah. can surprise us. You know, he, he will what? continue to surprise us. So, yeah, you never yeah. know. Um, what did you think about the halfbacks? Interesting question. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of. Ho- I was hoping that the, the conversation was individually, but that kind of the, the chemistry, the connection. What you what did you make of it on Sunday? Um, I didn't see a lot of chemistry between Conor Murray and Joey Carberry. I just didn't. I don't think it existed. It was either on, on something happened time. off. Conor Murray or something happened off Joey Carberry. They were rarely um, collaborating on anything. Yep. Um, I think Conor Murray kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. Um, he was kind of box kicking. Like when you, I, I, I could be, I only watched the game once. Admittedly, I, I didn't watch it back a second time, which I usually do. But yep. um, anytime Argentina got a bit of space or got a bit or, or threatened the, the the Irish defense. It was usually mm. off a, a Conor Murray kick, you know. Um, it was almost like it wasn't a part of the plan, and they yeah. didn't really know how to, to to chase it or how to follow on from it. Uh, and then when Craig Casey came on, oh my god, the difference! The difference in the speed of the ball. He only threw. So, um, sorry, now I'm trying to get my numbers right. Uh, so Conor Murray was on the pitch for 50 minutes, and. Mm-hmm. Craig Casey was on the pitch for the last half an hour, the last 30 minutes. Yeah. And Craig Casey only threw 13 fewer passes than Conor Murray did. Um, and I that could be, there could be a few different reasons for that. Like, you know, possession might have been that is, that's crazy, though. a bit different. But he's just quicker. You know, he just gets to the ball and he he's, moves it a lot quicker. Which is a, what you need. He's a more condensed version of Gibson Park. He is, yeah. He's like he's like a mini version. Um yeah. If anything, he's he's probably a bit more like boisterous than Gibson Park. You know, he kind of likes he kind of gets in your face a bit more. He kind of reminds me of Faf de Clerc more than than and that's a compliment, Craig, if you're listening. But he reminds me of uh, of Faf de Clerc more than he does of of Gibson Park. But um, but yeah, I think I think the game became significantly quicker and more entertaining when when and, and it's sad to say because I'm I'm a huge Conor Murray fan and I think. That he's con- his career is far from over, but mm. I think within the game the Ireland are playing now, it doesn't really suit him. Exactly, it's not always an indictment on you know an individual. It's more like it's, yeah, it's a it's a team performance, and it's what style of play you're playing and who beds into that will, who can do a certain job. It's the same in any sport. Yeah, any sport across across the world, whatever it is, like it's it's systematic. And you you do need you need pieces that fit your puzzle, and that's just the way it is. If you have a piece that's too big, too small, it's not going to fit, and it doesn't yeah, yeah. necessarily mean that that piece is useless. It can work in another jigsaw, yeah. another another puzzle. Exactly, yeah. It exactly. This one, and that's all it is. It's not, it's not really an indo- And again, I couldn't agree more. It's just more. It's it's not it's not, it's never. I suppose a fault. It's his style of play, which was so effective for so long. He was absolutely immense. But it's just, I think he's he's been so good for so long. It's like Sexton. Sexton is now targeted by every team. Every mm-hmm. single team against Ireland hitting Sexton hard, and we're going to let him know we're there. Yeah. And it seems to work. So Murray now, I think, has slightly gotten a bit predictable for other teams. 
Yeah. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like nearly, I would say nearly 40%. I'm not, I, this is off the top of my head. It's obviously not 40%, but let's just go with 35-40% of literally of, of the ball he has at the back of a row. I would say most teams are like, right, he's kicking this. Probably kick, yeah. Depending, Depending where so, he is. Yeah, and that's what part of the pitch is. Yeah. Exactly. I just think Gibson Park brings that speed, unpredictability, and you're like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Just going to offload it quick, get the ball out to the back fast. It's You don't know what's coming, and unpredictability at the moment is kind of one of our strengths. Yeah. When you look at the best the best scrum halves in the world at the moment, that's that's kind of their CV, too. Or it's the yeah. kind of their DNA, maybe is a better term, but like yeah. Dupont is he literally might as well not have a number on his back because he does everything. He's so yep. unpredictable. Um, yep. Like even Danny Kerr last year playing for Harlequins in the Premiership, like that th- that was a big part of their game too. Himself and and Marcus Smith. That was kind of the the how would you say the vibe? I hate using that word within a sporting context, but it was kind of the vibe of of how they played rugby. Um, yep. And yeah, it's 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 kind of leaving Conor Murray behind a little bit, which is sad to say, but. Um, listen, we'll see, we'll see yeah. how, is, how it goes for him in the future. But, um, and I'm not saying that he, he won't be an asset in the future, but I think the way Farrell wants to play the game is now quite obvious. Yeah. And I don't know, is Murray fitting into that mold exactly? So, listen, yeah, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I can't, yeah, I can't disagree with you, even though I love to, um, <laughs> you love disagreeing with me, yeah, you. Um, but like, yeah, you know, I'm just looking at it here again. It's just like it's just mad. I mean, this is the one that stands out to me. So, can you? I'll just ask you quick, I'll pick your brain. So, Rocks won 98% um, for Ireland in attack is just ridiculous, to be honest. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's, yeah, it's cutting out errors and it's just doing the basics supremely well. Yeah, and that impresses me. Um, I thought we were absolutely brilliant in that department. I want to hear what you have to say about the lineout. About the line, about the Irish lineout. Um, uh, I think for after coming out of the the Rory Best era, it's we're kind of we took the the standard of lineouts that he brought for granted a little bit. Yeah. Um, if that makes any sense, but of course. Do you know hooker's a hard position to play and it's very hard to sorry I to arrange my thoughts but it's very hard to deliver a, a level of consistency at that position at such a fundamental part of the game and yeah. it's going to take a while for the likes of whether it be Ronan Kelleher who probably is going to be first choice hooker for Ireland now going forward but I would think so um, yeah. yeah it's going to, it's going to take a long time for him and his his fellow hookers I don't know you can go on about who's Farrell's going to select in the future but uh, it's going to take him a while to to really achieve that um, if ever I think he will yeah. I think Kelleher will but um, yeah it's it's tough to get right because you can coach it as much as possible but there's a lot of there's a lot of kind of silly mistakes throughout all three games um, but we just kind of seem to kind of get away with it uh and yeah. our opposition lineouts were arguably worse, bar the All Blacks. So we looked great. Um, but yeah, I thought the lineouts. I thought they can be a big. They could. They will be a big asset going forward, considering that Joe Schmidt launched the vast majority of his set pieces off a lineout. So mm. 
it was almost like that was the foundation of his attack because a, a scrum in the middle of the field or what have you, you know, there's not much you can do with it. Um, but line out is really because you have the full width of the pitch then to work with. But yeah, it's interesting. Do you know what? Uh, I don't know. Is there much to tell from just those three games? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I still don't think, think it's really quite figured out yet. But yeah, okay, yeah. It's not. It's not uh, the finished article by any no. means. But I do no. think there has been improvements. So I was saying oh, that. Yeah. I was saying that in the last. I think it was the last segment we had. Um, I just think Paul O'Connell is, is doing a good job. Definitely. But um, I just think what I'm, not to kind of go off the topic, but what kind of excites me about this Ireland team now is more, to me anyway, for the last, like, okay, so let's say a year ago, I think everyone was hung up on Sexton, uh, Healy, all these aging players, and we're like, where yeah. are we going to get the next generation who were the next people up and coming or kind of everyone yeah. was panicking you know we're like oh yeah. no we're we're going to into a dark abyss of Irish yeah, rugby a little bit, yeah. and I just think Farrell has quickly negated that thought process and turned it around because like even Sheehan who came on yes, I thought he was yeah. cool. and like now I think we can see there's there's more than a plan A there's more than just a starting team there is players coming up through the ranks and you can see what Ireland are trying to do. And those players, by the time they are in that first starting 15, mm-hmm. they will be playing Farrell's rugby and executing it to near perfection, I would imagine. Yeah. And that's what excites me. I think so, yeah. That's the that's the the goal anyway. I think where the Ireland forwards are at the moment, like it's probably the closest to being the most complete forward pack in the world yeah. at the moment because every player is an attacking threat. Like even yeah. when Kelleher, not Kelleher, when Sheehan came on, uh, I believe he scored a try against Argentina towards the end. I think he scored the last Indeed. try of the game. Um, second last. Or second last probably. Um, like, he chopped off and then got, got his little uh, oh yes. his moment. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, but like even the carries he was making blew me away. Um, yeah. Like for... for a hooker to just for a hooker to be really dominant in that many collisions. And I know he's young and he's strong and whatnot, but like very different to Rory Best. You kind of wonder how Rory Best was making the team ahead of the the, the World yeah. Cup, looking at how good Sheehan is now and how good Kelleher is as well. Like Kelleher is a huge ball in hand threat. Um yeah. it's it's quite remarkable. You can kind of you just wonder is there avenues being un, uncovered now by Farrell that Joe Schmidt just didn't want to go. Like Joe Schmidt and never talked about offloads. Never he was so risk free rugby, it was almost yeah, it, yeah. it was almost a, a, a disadvantage. But, yeah. Um like yeah, I just wondered. like yeah, again, okay, it goes back to my unbelievable analogy that I made yeah. ten minutes ago. That was honestly I don't even know how I come up with this stuff. I'm just it's on fire, but like yeah, it really is. But like again, it comes down <laughs> to pieces. So we're clearly developing and we're clearly this new style of play we're evolving for a better word and course, i yeah. think like, like we were talking about murray rory best all these players were brilliant at their time they did a job and they were yeah. absolutely brilliant under schmidt but it's a different it's a different time it's it's a new it's a new era to quote conor mcgregor uh yeah. it's just it's yeah it's it, it's different and i just think we're looking different like i mean we're not we're no longer the robust Ireland that are just kind of 
you know, they're, they're going to be like, it was just very often, too often, in my opinion, we were just playing a war of attrition. Mm. And it was just two, two, just phase after phase, pick a goal. It was just, it was yeah, actually, doing exhaust. Like, it, was, it was very monster esque. And I am, <laughs> I'm a monster fan, right? Yeah. As are you. And I love monster. I think we're playing Leinster ball now, and I'm going to get killed. Yeah, for this. you're going to get slaughtered. Yeah. I, am I wrong? Please, but no, you're, yeah. Do you yeah, know, I, dead think, right. I, think, I think we're playing rugby the way it should be played. Now, granted, you do what is necessary to win a game. However, if you can win a game and do it in an entertaining style where you're playing expansive rugby and you're developing young players and teaching them to play this expansive game, mm. I, I, I just I think it's a win-win. Yeah. Yeah, and like I think you're right with the Leinster ball as well because like not only is, is the Ireland team very Leinster heavy at the moment, but... Like I watched a few of Leinster's early URC games. Um, admittedly, I saw I made myself watch sit through them, but <laughs> like they, it was almost as if that they would rather die than let that ball get yeah. get in a breakdown. You know, yeah. than have a tackle. It was almost as if keep the ball alive at all costs. Now I yeah. wouldn't use that analogy they're with Ireland four, per se, but it's much closer to Leinster than, than Ireland. Yeah, there you go. They're playing fourth down rugby, like basically yeah. the NFL fourth down. We're not punting this. We're going for it. Let's keep the ball alive. Yeah, Where else yeah, we got? yeah. That's what Very they do. Rogers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Definitely. And it's it's interesting. Like I mean, even when you look at Fiji, I don't know if you saw the the Fiji Wales game, which was two weeks ago, and oh, it I was didn't. just remarkable. I I didn't watch all of it. Now I only saw it in drips and drabs. But yeah. um, that like I believe was it the fullback he caught the ball, Fiji football fullback now, um, caught a high ball in his twenty two called a mark and then tapped and went because there was the space there and i think he kicked it into touch after that but um or he grubbered it into touch then to to get further up the field but like in in many coaching setups and like i've played rugby for, oh, for yeah. a long time but like if yeah. i was to do that i would get slaughtered that no, was no. just off the yeah. table immediately but it's just great to see like you know different teams and at all levels just really pushing the boundaries and stuff and i know fiji have always done it yeah. but um and fiji would probably be the only team to do that but uh yeah you know it's great and if anything i think it's made probably making the game a bit safer um That's the fact that players are running at space rather than each other um mm. is a is a, a big i i, I, I kind of agree with you to an extent but when i was watching the hits of ireland new zealand i was like nah. yeah was like, yeah, this, yeah. This, game yeah. Is, this game is no more safe yeah yeah it's that's yeah that's a bad example too no uh, no no yeah, <laughs> like across, the, game. across yeah. the board i do agree with you i do agree with you um yeah but like, it's yeah it's just i think it's uh, uh, yeah again i'll uh, uh, stupid I, I have these weird ideologies and thoughts in my head <laughs> but soccer as a professional sport brown way longer than rugby and that's evolving all the time and the evolution yeah. of like you know like Barcelona in 2000, when they started 2008, really, mm. 2007, 2008, uh, under Pep and that, you know, the tiki-taka, the Spain Euro 2008 squad starting that as well. And that was the beginning of a new dawn for football. And I think that's what's happening in rugby now. I think rugby is evolving quite at a rapid pace, considering it was only professional, you know, not too long ago. Yeah. But I just think that's what's happening. I think it's evolving and it's exciting to watch it because I think the game is becoming a lot more intriguing. Definitely, yeah, definitely. And um, I've heard stuff like that as well, that 
that uh, apparently Pep Pep and, and the England coach Eddie Jones are friendly, and uh, Pep know, is, right? has yeah, and uh, apparently Pep is um, this is credit to Tifo Football now. I, I can't be claiming this is my own info, but uh, but Pep has has admired rugby in many ways because it's a space orientated game, much like football. Um, and you know he's just drawing those parallels and whatnot. And I mean, I don't know what 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 that means to the broader picture now, but it's a funny little kind of yeah, similarity oh. between yeah. two heads in two different games you know yeah um yeah, speaking too. of coaches yeah sorry now to be to be chopping it down but we'd be fools now if we didn't mention uh the stephen larkham uh news indeed i was actually speaking yeah just about, just about to pop onto it like <sighs> bit of a think? blow bit of a blow, blow big blow i think yeah i, I yeah. think uh, timing timing was yeah it's not like, What's your right. first thought? Like, screwed? Is that? No, I wouldn't say screwed. Um, I wouldn't say screwed. Like, he was a big addition, considering you could just see the the his kind of imprint on on the team over the past, you know, since twenty nineteen, since he arrived. Um, yeah. I'm sure it, it is a massive strain on both him and his family. I think he's young kids and stuff, or youngish kids, but, um. So for them to move over to Limerick from Australia, from sunny Australia, uh, which they're going back to, he's now the head coach of the, the Brumbies. Yeah. Um, you just kind of wonder, like, maybe he wasn't happy in Limerick, maybe he didn't settle, which is the case with a lot of coaches. You know, a lot of great coaches just don't find their feet in Life. certain places, and that happens. But, yeah. um, so maybe he just didn't didn't like Limerick, really. It's, it's kind of my... Exactly. There's loads of moving parts. I mean... Everyone looks at things, Joe, like face value and surface level and think Munster are one of the biggest teams in the world, or we like to think so. Well, they are, they are, they still are reputation. Yeah. And um, I think a lot of people are like, why would you, Joe, kind of leave that when you're, you're you're building towards something? But as you said, there, there's life, life moves on around it, and there's a lot oh, of yeah. lot of aspects to look at. And yeah, again, I, I, I don't know the, the full extent as to why he's going back, but I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, where, who do, what do, what do we do in your, your like? Where who is your first? What what where? Any names? Like where? Yeah, mind um, hugging. Like, I don't know. Um, considering that his bro his role within Monster was quite broad. Um, it was like I think it was just assistant coach. He was he just number two to Van Gran. Um, yeah. But like, it's interesting because, like, the talent to play or the pool. Sorry, the talent level of players in Munster is probably better than the Brumbies, and that's not me not being being mean to our, our Australian friends, but like the Brumbies aren't the most dominant team in Australia. Um, mm-hmm. They're probably close, but they're they're not quite it, you know. Um, like Melbourne Rebels have always been big, the Waratahs have always been big, and uh, the Queensland Reds as well. Like they're kind of. The big, the big, the big dogs, and then the Brumbies then are kind of are just there to kind of you know cause yeah. upsets and and play and entertain you know. And they're a great club. I love watching the Brumbies, but um, yeah, like in regards to what Munster do now, I don't know. It's tricky. Um, I think it's a bit out of the question to try and lure, not lure, but like to try and give a better offer to whether it be the likes of Felix Jones and stuff. Cause I mean, like Felix Jones, as you know, was, was with monster for years and left with Razzie to go 
uh, go win a World Cup there a couple of years ago. Um, it's in very high. Remember? Uh, yeah, and it's it's going very well. So I don't know. Is it is it possible for them to maybe convince him to come back? I think that's mm. kind of a bit ridiculous, really. Uh, I think Noel McNamara is probably. I believe in getting his, yeah, no McNamara is probably the, the front runner. Um, he was involved at, I think it was the Monster Academy at one stage, but I think he was involved at Connacht as well. Um, but he's currently with the, the South Sea Sharks, uh, South African side, but they're, they're playing in the URC. Um, yeah. 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 So, I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see how Monster spring back with it. It's not a great time, like literally just, just before, uh, European Champions Cup. Not a great time yeah. to for for the <laughs> for one the brains of the operation to to announce that he's I don't know, hitching up his roots and leaving. But yeah, um, but yeah. Listen, I think I think Van Gran has had a very difficult job since the start of the season. Um, considering that the this South Africa trip was kind of sprung on him uh, originally, yeah. like they had flights yeah. booked. I think was it to Cardiff. I think they thought they were playing just over just across the pond and instead they were going down to south africa for two weeks um, well i did not hear about that now phil phil, phil is in, yeah he, i think it was was it a, a kind of a late change in in the schedule i think they had booked i read That's this article ages ago now so i could be wrong but um they had booked tickets to tickets for the team to fly to cardiff to play was it the cardiff blues or whoever was supposed to be on the, the ticket but uh, that was since changed to South Africa for those two weeks, um, which is incredibly difficult to manage. Pool of players going down, especially yeah. after autumn internationals, uh, to bring those guys down to South Africa, play two games, bring them back up, and then dive straight into an away Champions Cup game in yeah. Coventry against Wasps. Yeah. Um, that must be an absolute head wreck for a head coach. Um, like for not even RG Sneeman going straight back into route to uh rehab for his for his knee like a lot of things have gone wrong for johan van Gaal, and now he's he's number two is saying i'm going i'm going head coach in the brumbies now so uh it must be really difficult for him to to just get his ducks in a row at the moment um yeah yeah but listen we'll see now this saturday when when monster take on the vodacom bulls uh as at versfield i think is at three thousand feet above sea level um i'm actually very <laughs> very very excited for this game really yeah yeah i just think Likewise, it's interesting monster in south africa you now for a domestic yeah. it's not a it's not a friendly it's not it's just purely european rugby championship and it's just yeah. it's going to be strange i think but it's going to be yeah interesting and actually to touch on that so we had this uh we had a bit of a <laughs> a thread or a conversation on twitter uh was it last friday i think before the team announcement for ireland and we both <laughs> were thinking zebo yeah. starting 15. so what's the situation there he's straight back into the squad i assume yeah he's himself ready to go yeah himself gavin coombs um i think were they the only two from the ireland squad released um so they I don't know what the story was now. I don't know. Was there any information released on it? But no. um, instead of staying with the Ireland camp ahead of the Argentina game, they went and traveled with Munster. Um, yeah, I think it's interesting. And I was actually looking at the squad today. Like there's no Mike Haley. So Mike Haley hasn't gone with Munster for 
the South Africa tour. So uh, Matt Gallagher has, who's another fullback. Uh, he's been playing a lot of fullback recently, actually. Mike Haley oh, might still be recovering from injury. I don't think so. Um, but he could be. I could be wrong. Um, but yeah, so your two fullbacks, I believe, are Matt Gallagher and Simon Zebo. Um, Jack Crowley has been playing a good bit of fullback for Cork Khan in the AIL. Uh, so you could see him at fullback. Uh, I don't think he's played fullback for Munster yet. I don't believe so. Um, but you know, we could see it. I'd say there'll be a bit of a bit of experimenting. You know, some guys are kind of trying to prove themselves uh, over the next two that's, weeks. That's the beauty of it, though. I mean, like it's a big opportunity for Matt. Yeah, absolutely for Matt Gallery. Yeah, and he's played a good bit recently. He's been playing well. Yeah. Um, like, like I just he, away in South Africa. This is this is a test. Yeah. Yeah, so, exactly, yeah, it'd be interesting yeah. to see how he gets on. And, like, he was always touted to be quite a talent. I mean, remember the Saracens, he was, like, he a was lot of people good, yeah. raving about great. him. Yeah, so, yeah. I think, yeah, it could be, hopefully, a coming out party for him. So Hopefully so. We'll see. Like, I think he played a little bit of centre with Saracens. Um, and if I'm not wrong, this is a bit of a, a guess now, but I believe that the only reason his contract with saracens wasn't renewed was because that they were going down to the championship and they had to you know cut spending yeah i won't get yeah. into all that now but they were they were yeah. kind of forcefully relegated due to overpaying a lot of players so yeah. i think that was the only yeah. reason he was cut loose but um yeah. he'd still be playing premiership rugby for probably one of the best teams in the northern hemisphere best club teams in the northern hemisphere um so we're lucky to have him and yeah you know, nice might as well you might as well play him the way he wants to play. Maybe we should we should take a leaf out of his book. But um, um, yeah, okay. So I've, I've hit the forty minute mark. So I just want to ask you quickly before I ask you one little hit me little question beforehand. But uh, your your prediction for Monster and the Bulls? Um, that's a tough question. Playing at altitude away. Yeah, I think it's it's a very. It's, I think this game is an unknown quantity. To be honest, I think it's um this could be yeah. yeah it's tough. it's hard to Yeah. Um, I think I think Munster are much hungrier than the Bulls are at the moment. I don't know. God, that could be wrong <laughs> as well. Uh, I don't know because it's it's their backyard too. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think I want. I get the sense that there's a lot to play for over the next couple of weeks. So I think Munster are really taking the opportunity and and running with it. I'm gonna say Munster by ten. Okay. I think yeah. Monster by yeah. ten. I hope it's going to be more, but I'm gonna I'm gonna play my cards close to my chest now and just say monster by ten. But um, um it'll be it, it won't be a walk in the park by any no, stretch. I don't, I don't think so. That's why I'm going by three. Three. Yeah. Oh, and that that narrow. I'm Last going, minute penalty I'm going, from I Ben Healy. Maybe. I, I think it's going to be a brute. I think it's going to be a brute of a game. I, I think. think so uh, too. I think the Bulls are going to yeah throw the kitchen sink at them physically. So yeah, I think so too. Um, it, yeah, it's hard to prepare to play at that altitude. I think it's three, is it 3,000 meters? That could be ridiculous now, but I think it, that's the number sticking out my head. Yeah, um, which is so difficult. Oh, altitude is just wow, ah, it's one of the most difficult things to overcome, and it's, it's something that it doesn't isn't present in a lot of other sports. Uh, yeah, yeah. maybe golf. I don't know, but how do you prepare it. for that? Like, um yeah. yes it's gonna be interesting it will be very very interesting um yeah okay so you're monster by 10 i'm monster by three mm -hmm. and that wraps up the prediction for monster and the bulls which is by the way folks if you don't know what you should know if you are watching this show but we'll, we'll do you a favor we'll help you out it's 5 45 
this Saturday. So hopefully they can get it done. Uh, my last, I suppose, quick question to you before we finish off would be two. It's it's a two part question, right? So one because it just popped into my head there, and I was like, I'm kind of intrigued to see your opinion on this. Do you think France beating New Zealand takes some shine away from our victory over the All Blacks? No, no, I don't think so. Um, I think it, it it is just another example of how good France are. Um, like, this is a long time coming, really. Uh, mm. But no, I don't think it does. I think, like, the conversation, and I've been kind of paying attention to, to New Zealand rugby media a little bit recently, and there seems to be a big emphasis on fatigue that, you know, oh, well, France defeated an exhausted New Zealand side. However tired they were when they played us, they must have been, uh, you know, it must be a new chapter in regards to fatigue now. Um, So, no, I don't think it takes away from it. Um, But I I do think it it does show how good France are. Like, when you look back at that Roman Intermac pass, like... I was was waiting for you to... yeah. I've had Man. it on repeat. I've tried to find every single angle of it I can because, like, to do that against one of the best teams in the world, to run it from your own dead ball line, first of all, is is yep. risky with with Jordy Bart chasing after you. But to just leave the ball after him, put it where it needs to be, to see the switch, wow. to see the game the way he saw it, is just, uh, it's, you can't teach I was, it. But, it was, I was absolutely um, stunning. There was nothing questionable about the French, the French performance Barred the kids. The kids? Everything else is perfect. Oh, their kid is absolutely awful, but that's another <laughs> that, that's another yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I thought they were frightening. So therefore, that's why I asked you that first. I, this is my second question to you. It is way too early, but I love early predictions because you can oh, either yeah. you can either you can, you can hit the nail on the head and then in a few months you'll be like, oh, I called that. That was me. Yeah. I'm a genius. Or so give me the chance. The or I could just be, yeah. which I'm hoping for. Uh, will you be wrong? But anyways, Six Nations, your early standout candidate. Who's gonna? Who's the team to beat for you? Oh, the team to beat is definitely France. Um, mm, I think it's England. Oh yeah, uh, uh, France. I think it's fair. England get it. Can just get it done. England That's, can get it done, yeah. England can grind out a win. Um, yeah. I'm seeing a lot of good things from Scotland as well at the moment. Um, One second, are you? I think I lost connection there. What? Sorry, I think uh, no. I'm seeing a lot of good stuff from Scotland. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. When you think how good they were, I know they didn't beat the Springboks, but I think, I think they just seem to be getting. Uh, sorry. I think they've improved, but I think they're still a long way off, to be honest. I do, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't think, I don't think they're gonna just be like Wales last year and just completely come out of the blocks and shock everyone and 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 take it home. But I do think that it's going to become significantly more difficult to beat them as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think Wales are going to keep the standard. Um, I know. Excuse me. I th- I know that the. Kind of autumn nations was a bit wishy washy for them because, um, you know, like yeah, the first game against New Zealand, they were depleted, still, as well. yeah. Like, and there was guys still playing premiership and stuff in the yeah. biggest game. Like, you had that, that 
that he wasn't a streaker, but he was a pitch invader. Uh, run on against South Africa, like ah, oh, like like we were talking about Van Gran earlier. Like everything kind of went wrong for them. Um, yeah. Adam and Jones beat Fiji. Yeah. So I mean, I think I think Wales will kind of tighten the screws ahead of the Six Nations. Um, but the team to beat, to go back to your question, is I think it's France. To be honest, considering that they were without Bryce Doolin against New Zealand. They were mm. without, uh, who else is there? Uh, Olivon, their captain. They were without, who else is there? Vakatawa wasn't there. Do you know? So, and those, I believe all those guys are going to be back now for the Six Nations. But, yeah. um, and again, another couple of months to to kind of get things yeah. sorted and, and play a bit more clinically is, yeah, I think, and I think they can get the better of England too, which is another prediction for you. But, hmm. So I, I love think, the way yeah. this is recorded because you can't hide now. So. Yeah, I can't hide. Yeah, it's in it's hide. it's out there in the internet, the interweb. Um, okay, interesting. So you're you're edging towards France, and I'm edging towards England. Okay, right. There are uh, way too early predictions from uh, <laughs> from us here at Sport Nimrick on the breakdown. Um, so that wraps up this week. Uh, thank you again to anyone watching. Um, it's a pleasure to do this, and we will be back next week again. Uh, don't forget the monster match on Saturday, uh, 27 November at quarter to six. We will have live updates on our Twitter page at Sport and Limerick. And until then, folks, it's been the breakdown. I've been Mark Riley. He's been Benjamin Geary. It's been an absolute pleasure. Preview.